0: Welcome to the Be Free RE Podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angatti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right, welcome back to another episode, everybody. Tony, how you doing, man? I'm doing
1: Fantastic yourself
0: okay. yeah really good actually thank you for asking uh, that's great what's going on in your life man
1: um same stuff i am quarantining yeah. due to potential COVID exposure Ooh. Uh but uh no or... symptoms oh, okay. no just someone i came into contact with but um yeah i don't know gotta get a, a negative test before i start you know doing things again
0: yeah, I feel you. My cousin uh, went viral on TikTok. He did a at-home COVID test where you slam three shots of vodka, and if you can't taste it, then you have COVID. So there's always that. And if you're drunk, then you're fine. Yeah, then you're on TikTok. So he got yeah, literally exactly. 15 seconds of TikTok brain. So, uh, well, there you go. That's uh, something you learned already. So you're welcome for that one. Uh yeah. Today, uh, I guess why don't we? We'll start off with the Florida tenant story, and then we have a question from Brian in Santa Cruz about uh, kind of property mix and preferences. So, uh, penning any amazing insights from you, uh, we'll jump into Florida tenant. Sound good?
1: Sounds good. Where's the Florida tenant from?
0: Oh, oh man, I had a, uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Jacksonville.
0: No, we already did you got
1: it. Okay, we got to have good Florida towns. Where's a good Florida town?
0: Uh, Lake Pukatuki Okay, nice. Yeah,
1: that's is that a real one? Was that from, like, The Simpsons?
0: Uh, wait. JJ the Jet Plane. Uh. Yeah. Can't find it. Uh, can't find it. It's real. It's, it's fine. real. Don't worry it's, about yeah. it, everybody. Keep rolling. All right. So, this story. tenant was evicted from a one-bedroom garden unit, had several cats that she allowed to pee everywhere in the place. Bathroom vanity had to be thrown out because it was saturated with cats. Eventually, after we evicted her, we pulled the carpet out through the front door and threw it away. The tenants in the next building all had to close their windows because of the smell. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that like that story horrifies me because we have tenants with a cat and we haven't done our walkers on their place and,
1: yeah uh, we we have tons of tenants with cats and have yet to have a major issue so eventually it will happen however laws of averages have been nice for us so far <laughs> yeah i actually do a story there's one time we had this really old carpet we thought it was brown carpet Oh, gross. And then we moved a television off of it, and it was actually, like, bright blue because the person had had this old, like, 30-year-old TV sitting on it for the whole time they lived there. Whoa. The guy had been there, like, 18 years, and it looked brown. And then, stupidly, we cut it out, and then we're, like, on the second floor of this building. This is the place I, I live in that I house-hacked. And we went to go throw the carpet over the uh, the fire escape into the dumpster and all the dust came back in our face and like choked on <laughs> twenty years of pet dander, dirt, everything yeah. else. Uh so that was a mess. Um yeah. Did you have you had to deal with getting rid of pet smells yet?
0: Mm, no. Uh we only have pets in one of our one of our rentals, so uh, if- Yeah,
1: there's like a few options people go over, I guess. There's like ozone generators. There's uh, all kinds of different stuff. But what I think worked the best for me was you have to tear out all the carpet, obviously, like these people did. Then you generally want to pull up the um, baseboards because the pets love to pee in corners. And if you don't get rid of the baseboards, then uh, the smell will still be there. And you want to check to make sure it's not in the walls. But then on the floor, there's usually like uh, there's a couple different solutions. Some people say vinegar. Some people say bleach. There's a, like an Odo Ban product. Uh, there's a bunch of different enzyme type products that break down the cat pee smell. So you basically need to put down like a, an enzyme cleaner type thing to work on the smell. And then you have to seal it. The strategy that I've heard works really well is deck sealant first and then kills over top of the deck sealant, like oil based kills. And then apparently that works fairly well. That's what uh, worked for us in one apartment. Oh um, so you're- however, if it's so bad it turns into just removing materials and redoing stuff.
0: So you're doing this on the actual like sub floor?
1: Yeah, generally like an old hardwood floor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, well, that's but, har- uh, horrifying. But
1: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, like enzyme cleaner, deck sealant, and then gills.
0: Yeah, we, we have enzyme cleaner because we're potty training our two-year-old. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. yeah,
1: your two-year-old's leftover pee probably smells better than, than cat pee though. So well, yeah, there's that score one for the infant
0: <laughs> i don't know i won't get into speculation uh okay man i was gonna ask a question actually oh do you uh do you ever give your tenants there's like some new kind of cat litter that apparently... do i buy
1: cat litter for them
0: yeah this new odorless cat litter no no all right Why would you... You... no who would do that the pet
1: <laughs> fee would be like a hundred dollars a month it includes litter
0: I don't know. I have no idea how much litter it costs. Uh, I assume it was like $20 for a year's worth.
1: No, no. Like a month, maybe.
0: Oh that's way too much. All right well uh, there you go listeners. everything you never wanted to know about cat litter costs. All right, so let's jump to Brian's question. He's de- calling in from Santa Cruz, uh, not Florida, California, home of the banana slug. Uh, if you had to choose between buying a 10 unit apartment complex or a triple net commercial building I don't even know what that means. triple net commercial building, which would you choose and why? The 10 unit apartment is fully occupied with average cash flow. the triple net building is occupied by a solid tenant like dollar tree
1: okay before we get into this i do have a question though what is a banana slug and did they taste good
0: uh i'm not able to speculate on flavor of a banana slug but the
1: flavor profile
0: but the banana slug is the fierce mascot of c Santos. they are in slugs so. that's their team name uh that is their mascot yeah i'm googling this now where i
1: went to college the mascot was the uh was the gator in in uh northwest pennsylvania makes no sense but prior to that it was the hellbender which sounds really cool but a hellbender is like a salamander
0: oh so, I thought a, a hellbender is, it's like when you go on a bender and you just drink tons of drugs. No. And then you no die that, and you go to hell for it. You went to a Christian no, that's school. No, like, right?
1: that's like Maverick. No, I didn't go to a Christian school. <laughs> I'm
0: <just teasing> you. <laughs> I right. think
1: technically they were Methodist, but right. I don't really remember. I feel like every school has like a technical religious affiliation just so that people donate to them, even if they're not a religious school. There's like a, we're loosely affiliated with this group. Um, but anyway, there so the question was pretty much fully occupied cash flow ten unit apartment building or a triple net property. And John says, I don't know what a triple net property is. Yeah. So basically, a triple net lease just means that the tenant pays for pretty much all expenses on the building. So they'll pay in- that includes real estate taxes, insurance, and all the maintenance on the building. So they pay. So as the owner, you basically do nothing. None. You just kind of collect collect money it's um you know like uh the best deals the ground lease things where you literally just lease the the ground for somebody to build like a structure on that, those leases are usually for like a very long 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 time however triple net leases are usually for a while too the answer to this question isn't simple though as most of these questions are not simple, because it comes down to like, well, what are you looking for? Typically, you're going to get a lower return on a triple net type property when you buy it. But the value here is that it's like as passive as a passive investment can be, right? Like you literally do nothing and collect money. So this is good for a lot of people who are kind of in in the part of their journey where they don't really care so much about maximizing total return. They just want to have their money invested in a very solid, consistent, performing asset. And in Dollar Trees, like dollar stores, depending on where they are, typically do pretty well. So that's a solid tenant paying all the bills you're just collecting. That's a pretty solid building. The difference with the 10-unit apartment building is that obviously you need to hire a manager or you need to manage yourself or do something like that however because there's a little bit more active involvement you could hypothetically see a higher return on that building um albeit with slightly more risk like a triple net lease carries very low risk which is why the the cap rate that you're getting it get on that is is lower uh, the capitalization rate just your income you know on the building really so I think that if all things were equal, like if the return numbers were the same between both buildings, like you would obviously want the triple net building. It's so easy. But I would think that the return possibility on the apartment building is probably higher. Um, did he mention anything about like the return for both buildings? Nope. Yeah. So so that's, that's really what you'd be looking at. I mean, you would want to see a higher return on the apartment building than on the triple net lease just because for the action, for the input and the stress and everything else that you're going to need to have associated with that building, you obviously want it to be compensated much more for that. And then it also comes down like there's other factors too, like the area that it's in demand for certain things, like all that, how many years are left on the trip one at least before it needs to be renegotiated, like there's a whole bunch of other, you know, factors in that. So not simple, but generally, you're just going to be looking at the return and uh just as an asset, the triple net property is probably easier to deal with, lower risk, lower inputs than the um than the apartment building. So
0: all right. Uh, I guess my question for, is: it what kind of cap rate spec out of types? You know, kind of. I'm trying to formulate this question a little better. What, uh, what part of my career would I be interested in? That, right? Like, uh, a-,
1: a lot of times people do like they will sell a property, and then if they're like later in their career when they 1031 the property, they'll 1031 the money into something like a dollar tree or something like that because then they're still keeping the money without any taxable gain. But now they're moving it into like an asset that doesn't require any involvement. So it's a very similar concept to like when you switch your stocks from stocks to bonds. Like generally, whenever you're reaching the point in your career where you don't want as much risk, you don't want as much input. It's not really I don't view that kind of thing as age based, but it's just like how much of a pain do you want to deal with anymore? You know what I mean? Totally, totally. But that's that's a lot of times what happens. Like people ten thirty one exchange a property that took more input and they take that money and then they get it into like an asset like a Dollar Tree or like a like a grocery store or uh, anything that would be a trip one net lease.
0: And I'm sure everyone who's listening, loyal listeners, has already heard explaining ten thirty one. But why I would be doing a ten thirty one just to avoid taxes, is that the quick summary?
1: Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. I mean you you do a ten thirty one exchange because typically when you sell a property it's just a Um, tax shelter mechanism um but the general part of it is that when you sell the property you would typically pay capital gains tax on the property which isn't it i think it's what is it 15 percent long-term capital gain with mine (laughs) sure uh your kids will have to pay the long-term capital gains tax once they stop the step-up basis or whatever it is um so uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So you basically you would normally have to pay that capital gains tax. You sell you have to hold some an intermediary holds the money and you have to close on the new property within a certain period of time. But if you do all this according to the steps within within the time frames then you will pay no capital gain tax because you've just taken that money and bought what they call a like-kind asset. And then now you can have a new property that's generating more cash flow or more stable cash flow or in a better market or whatever you want, Um, but you have a new property and you've paid no taxes on your gains from your old property. So that's the the benefit.
0: Awesome. All right, man. That was great. Um, uh, I guess to recap the situation, uh
1: that's like overly simplistic, by the way. If somebody has more specific questions about 1031 exchanges, um, I mean obviously you would want to contact somebody that's an expert, but if you if anybody's interested in hearing more about that, then just call in with a question specifically about 1031 exchanges and we can talk more in depth about sort of generally how they work more than nuts and bolts type stuff.
0: Cool. Yeah. So my my, my takeaway is you're essentially saying 10 complex triple commercial uh it's just a different level of ball unit, more potential, more risk, uh, but also more effort uh just about as passive get you sort of, you know, yeah, if you got the same return on obviously less less work same but more like uh, later.
1: Yeah, and the only other factor that I don't think we mentioned for like a summary is that you also need to kind of look at the lease too. Like if there's only one year left on the lease and they're not renewing or something or they're like not very profitable the business that's in there then it's going to be a lot harder for you to find a new tenant for that building so that could be a risk factor that would make it riskier than the apartment building possibly depending on where it is so you also need to kind of assess the deal and like if you have 15 years left on a triple net lease then that's great that's nice but if you only have a year then that's either a great opportunity to increase the rent or a terrible anchor because the tenant leaves and now you have to find some person to fill that, which could be greater than a year vacancy process. So,
0: yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, Let's shift into uh, something you learned. Uh, We kick it off or do you have something on top of your head?
1: Um, I can say, I guess. So, I recently found over the past year that like small increases to rent Um, we've been doing them more often than we used to, like just every year with existing tenants. And I found that as long as it's a small enough amount, people generally don't care as much as in my head, I think they're going to care, Mm. but uh, they are very important. For instance, like, um, we started doing like minimum $10 increases per month. And the thing that that's really helped with is like our vendors for some of these buildings, like trash, or water or whatever, they'll raise their rates. And if we keep up with our $10 increases, it really doesn't even matter that they've done that. Um, or just our minor, we, we base it generally on market rent. Like if market rent's gone way up, which it's been fairly consistent, but not like explosion, like a letter that says they're, um, what the market rent is. So we give them a report from rent meter uh as like an impartial thing that says this is how much median rent is in this area for your apartment um this is what we're charging you're still in line with that we usually tell them like show them something like recently we got a letter from the borough that said the taxes would be going up like a half a percent so if we have anything like that we'll send it to them too and say like this is why your rent has gone up and we really haven't gotten any complaints or anything since we started kind of sending them stuff along with their increase letter.
0: Yeah, that's timely feedback. We're doing the same strategy here without sending reports and all that. Uh, keep up with the trash. Water. Yeah, you know Really, much. it's water, actually. Um, for us, uh, I think the thing we learned is just how important it is to get a deal under contract. Uh, you, like, aren't deep in love with the property, uh, getting it under contract so that we have the option to pursue further and being in uh, kind of that process, especially if we're not a lot of... Uh, this is mostly for stuff that is getting pulled off ML, Emma, but uh, essentially having that, just, right, just the number one prayer the early stage for us. And that, that attitude is, was very scary for us when we were first getting started, but that would be, like, the most succinct advice I would... That are in market and money, not just...
1: Yeah, and there's some stuff on the other side of that, like... When you're selling properties to make your hand money a little bit less up in the air to people who are just trying to lock it up. Like, um, I've done before where like so much of the money is not refundable based on the inspection contingency. Hmm. And then some, and then, um, some of it is refundable based on the inspection contingency. So even if it's a minuscule amount, it does kind of keep some leverage over the buyer too. Like. Yeah. I've done them where it says $500 is refundable on mortgage contingency only. And then the total deposit might be like $3,000. So if they terminate on inspections, the seller still gets $500 from the inspection, you know, just for holding it up. But the best thing that you can do when you're a seller is just get a competing offer and um, hold that leverage over somebody's head. Because then if somebody tries to negotiate with you, you can be like, "Yeah, we'll give you a little bit, but you know, We have this other person who's still interested and then people won't hammer you as much. But your point is is a good one. It's good to just kind of lock stuff up so that you can have a shot at the deal versus just not even, you know, not even getting a chance or it going to multiple offers or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um, All right. Anything before we sign off?
1: Nope just let guys. them know let them know where they can uh find out more about us and call us with their questions.
0: Yeah, 412-212-8366. Give us a call. We'll make up your Florida city if you don't tell us where you're from. Uh we're open to all kinds of questions if you're the better. Uh other than that, uh you can find us free RE on Insta and Tony at 412-anyway. Yep. What are what are you on bigger pockets? I don't know about
1: I think Anthony.
0: Anthony. His government Anthony
1: Angotti. All right. It's on my birth certificate.
0: All right. All right. Well, thanks everybody.